Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi, it's Amy McDonald's here. Welcome to this edition of the Arsenal Audio Programme. Arsenal versus Brentford. Saturday, 11th of February 2023. Kickoff, 3 pm. The contents Captain's notes around Arsenal. Sustainability. Player feature Matt Turner. My favourite shirt. Minutes detail. Community voice. Academy Young Gun, Amario Cozio Dubery. Around the Academy. Women. Visitors Brentford. Match action. Arsenal versus Manchester United. Match action. Manchester City versus Arsenal. Match action. Everton versus Arsenal. And teams. Martin Odegaard, Captain's Notes. It was a really disappointing result for us last weekend at Everton, but I think first of all, you have to say Everton played well. They did a good job, and obviously when a new manager comes in, it lifts them. They had been struggling this season, so for them it was a fresh start with a new manager, and they had everyone excited for the game. And of course there was extra motivation for them to show that against the team at the top of the table. So I think they did a good job, but at the same time, we should have done a lot better. We didn't play at our best and we were struggling to create the chances we normally do and to control the game. I think we started well, but then after the first 20 minutes, they had some good chances to score too. They managed to put pressure on us in the box, were very direct on the counter, were dangerous from crosses and set pieces, and we didn't manage that side well enough. It was a bad day for us really, which is how it is sometimes, and the only thing we can do is learn from it, improve and come back stronger. Football is like that sometimes. You have a bad day, but you have to make sure it is only one. After the game, everyone was really disappointed, so we didn't say much in the dressing room. Then we had a day off and came back in on Monday. We had a team meeting where the boss spoke to us all in detail about the game. We watched some clips and he made it really clear on the moments where we could have been better. After that, the reaction this week from the whole team, the players, the staff, everyone, has been brilliant. For the rest of the week, we trained really well. The intensity, the focus and the level of training has been excellent all week. So I think the reaction has been really good. When you're down, you have to step up, and that's what we need to do this weekend. 
The last time we lost in the league, we faced Brentford in the following game too, and we'll be looking for the type of performance we put in when we beat them away back in September. I think we controlled that game completely, and it was a very solid performance. We'll try to do the same thing again, and make sure we get back to winning ways. As I've said many times, you know all the games are tough, and the Everton game was more evidence of that. So you have to make sure you are 100% focused and ready every time. Brentford are a very impressive team, and club as well, because they've built a really strong team with a small budget. It looks like everyone is really fighting for the team. They have good players, they can create problems in many different ways, and they are physical too. They have quality on the ball, so it's a good team, and I like what they're doing, so a lot of credit to them. Since my last programme notes, the transfer window has closed, and our three new players have certainly helped bring a new energy to the training ground. They're all settling well. Leo and Jorginho already know the league and the country, so it's been easy for them to adapt. Of course, there are some new things for them to learn in the way we play, but so far it's been really natural, and they're doing really well in training. For Jakob, it's a bit different. It's a new country. He doesn't speak much English, and he's still young. So we're all trying to help him as much as possible, make him feel welcome, and help him if he needs anything. But I must say, he's been doing really well in training, so I'm sure he'll adapt really quickly here. It's always a good boost to the squad to have new signings. When new players come in, they want to prove themselves and show what they can do. So then everyone has to step up a little bit. It makes us sharper in training and in the games. For me personally, it was nice to have a relaxing transfer window for a change. I think this season was the first for about six or seven years that I really knew I was going to be in the same place after the summer. So that's good for me and makes a big difference to have that peace and know that everything is right the way it is. It's nice to go through a transfer window not focusing on that, just thinking about playing football and enjoying that. I think moving club, moving country can be a lot more challenging than people realise and maybe even you yourself realise during the moment. There's so much going on and that takes energy, even if you think you're doing well. So for me it's been brilliant to have this peace and certainty lately and to be focused totally on the pitch. Finally, I want to pass my congratulations on to our under-18s and women's teams. The under-18s had a great comeback against Watford in the FA Youth Cup and will be at the Emirates in the next round. I've trained with a lot of players from that team and it looks to be a really talented group. There are some good guys there and whenever they come to train with us, they give 100% and bring good energy. I really like Amario Cozier-Jubri as a player. He has great quality, is great on the ball and he's a nice boy as well so I'm happy to see him doing well. I'll be following the team closely in the rest of the competition. And the women's team have made it back to another final by beating Manchester City on Wednesday, and it's great to see this success because it lifts the spirit of the whole club. Let's keep it going together, and you, the supporters, are a big part of that as well. Thanks for your support, and we'd love you to create a big energy in the stadium again today. Around Arsenal. Mikel's hat trick. For the third time this season, Mikel Arteta has been awarded the Premier League Manager of the Month award following another fine run of results in January. The boss has now received the trophy three times out of the four occasions it has been awarded this season, having also come out on top in August as well as November, December. 
January saw us pick up seven points from nine during a tricky run of fixtures, which began with the goalless draw against Newcastle United, before we triumphed at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium by a 2-0 margin. Then Eddie and Ketia's last gasp goal sealed a 3-2 win against Manchester United at the Emirates to restore our five-point cushion at the top of the table. Mikel has now won five Manager of the Month awards during his three years in charge, having previously been victorious in September 2021 and March 2022 before this campaign. He has become the first Arsenal manager to win the award three times in a single season, which is the first time that has happened in the division since Jurgen Klopp won five in 2019-20. Changes to season tickets 2023-24 Significant changes to season tickets for men's matches at Emirates Stadium for next season have recently been announced. Next season, a season ticket will include all 19 Premier League and three European group stage matches, subject to qualification. Previously, the 26-match season ticket covered all home Premier League matches, five European matches and two home Emirates FA Cup fixtures. General admission season ticket holders will now only be paying for matches that are guaranteed to be played, rather than paying up front for matches which may not happen. Season ticket holders will have priority to purchase tickets for any further home European or Cup matches before they go on sale to other members. The move follows ongoing feedback from season ticket holders who want more flexibility around attending matches, and to support our desire to make more tickets available to our growing membership base. Removing the four cup credits from the season ticket will also make up to 150,000 additional match tickets available for members to purchase next season. Alongside these changes, we will be implementing an average 5% increase on general admission season tickets for next season. Prices in the lower tier will go up by 6% and 4% in the upper tier. This price increase will be the same for all match-by-match tickets. If we were to qualify for the Champions League, this will equate to an average reduction in the cost for full-price adult general admission season ticket holders of £113 a season, compared to the equivalent price had we been in the Champions League this season. For the Europa League, this would leave full-price adult season ticket holders paying on average £76 less than they are paying this season. Club-level prices will also be going up by an average of 5%. The club-level season ticket will continue to include all competitive men's first-team home matches. Season ticket holders will receive specific details about what this means for them in due course. These changes are part of our ongoing commitment to simplify our approach to ticketing while ensuring we operate in a sustainable way for the long-term future and create more opportunities for members to get tickets. Discounts for younger supporters The 25% discount on season tickets and match-by-match tickets purchased outside the family enclosure currently provided to people up to the age of 21 is being extended to the age of 24. This is in addition to discounts available to Canon members aged 17 and 18 who already benefit from a 57% discount 
and junior gunners 16 and under who receive a 66% discount. What happens next? Club level season ticket renewals will begin in March. Supporters will receive a personalised communication explaining the changes and what it means for them. As normal, general admission season ticket renewals will begin shortly after the last game of the season. Everton game rescheduled. Our previously postponed Premier League home fixture against Everton will now take place on Wednesday, March the 1st at 7.45pm. The game against the Toffees was originally due to take place back in September 2022, but was cancelled as a mark of respect following the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. However, it will now take place next month at Emirates Stadium, but will not be televised live in the UK. Ticket details will be announced in due course. Love is love, a double celebration. Throughout February, we are coming together with the Arsenal family to celebrate LGBTQ plus History Month and mark the continued importance the LGBTQ plus community has on football and beyond. This February also marks the 10th anniversary of our Gay Gunas supporters group. Gay Gunas exists to unite LGBTQ plus Arsenal supporters and allies around the world. The group has grown from being the first LGBTQ plus supporters club in British football to being the largest of its kind in the world today. During those 10 years, Gay Gunas has worked tirelessly to spread the message that everybody should feel welcome at Arsenal. True trailblazers and fearless campaigners, Gay Gunas has had a profound influence on ensuring visibility for the LGBTQ plus community in football and wider sport. To illustrate the dedication of this remarkable supporter group to both the club and promoting their positive message, here's a timeline of what they've been up to over the past decade, and this is an edited version. October 1989 a group of gay, mostly Arsenal football fans, began meeting in the Salmon and Compass pub at Chapel Market in Islington and formed the Gay Football Supporters Network. It becomes an amateur league for gay football players. 1990s. Several gay Arsenal fans in GFSN often met pre-match at the Gunners pub and post-match at the Bank of Friendship pub. They start organising tickets and going to away games together. 2010-11 Arsenal advertised for an LGB representative on the supporters' forum. Stuart Selby is appointed. 2012 Stuart secures backing from Communications Director Mark Gonella and CEO Ivan Gazidis for an official LGBT plus football fan group called Gay Gunners. February 16th, 2013 The official launch of Gay Gunas in a box at the stadium. Rainbow version of Arsenal for Everyone logo appears for the first time on pitchside LED boards. June 29th, 2013 Arsenal fans marched in London Pride for the first time. A fan watching the parade jumps over the barrier and joins. Autumn 2013 Pre-match meetings began in a community room next to Arsenal Museum. Sunday 22nd of September 2013, 
Newly installed Gay Gunas banner is seen for the first time at Emirates Stadium. September 2013, Vice Captain Mikel Arteta and Captain Thomas Vimalen wear rainbow laces in the first rainbow laces campaign. Spring 2014, other clubs follow Arsenal's lead with official LGBT supporters groups, Proud Lily Whites, Canal Street Blues, and Cop Outs. June 28, 2014, Arsenal fans marched in London Pride with flags now provided by Arsenal. September 2014, Arsenal players appeared in a hilarious video backed by Stonewall about things they can't change in a campaign against homophobia. Autumn 2014, one of Arsenal Gay Gunas founders, Zed Lomax, leads work with other groups to establish Pride in Football, an alliance of LGBT football fan groups. February 2015, Pat Rice appeared pitchside to help Gay Gunas launch a new stadium banner. April 2015, fan groups came together to urge an end to homophobic songs sung by a band at Arsenal pubs. March 2016, a young Arsenal mad lesbian in Iowa, USA, becomes the 500th member of Arsenal Gay Gunas. April 2016. Chair Dave Ravel and Arsenal CEO Ivan Gazidis appeared in a feature on The One Show on BBC One about homophobia in football. Summer 2016. Gay Gunners became an official Arsenal Supporters Club and the name changed to Arsenal Gay Gunners SC. May 2017. Scores of members go to Wembley together to see Arsenal beat Chelsea and lift FA Cup. Pub meetups and screenings were organised for Soho and Manchester. August 2017, professional sports designer and GG member Thierry created the new iconic Gay Gunners hexagonal branding. Our third banner is unveiled at the stadium. September 2017, first organised Gay Gunners trips to a European away game to Minsk to watch Bate Borisov. The group has been to every European game together since, making friends and creating allies, notably in Belarus, Ukraine, Sweden, Belgium and Switzerland. July 2018. Gay Gunas, Dave Ravel and Joe White led sessions at a Call It Out conference in Nottingham. March 2019. Joe White and Pride in Football organised a campaign to combat the surge in homophobia in Polish football. April 2019, Ryan Tobin and Dave helped train Arsenal stewards about dealing with homophobic abuse. March 2020, Gay Gunas organised lockdown Zoom socials to keep members in touch. October 2020, Victoria Sharkey joined as campaign's officer and goes on to lead GG input on the new stadium artwork. February 2021, Katie McCabe revealed how she saw the Gay Gunas Stadium banner and knew she would be accepted as Arsenal. September 2021, members elected Angus Morat to the Arsenal Advisory Board. November 2021, a straight ally in Hertfordshire joined as our 1,000th member. July 2022, biggest Pride event ever, included an Arsenal-branded vehicle, 
player staff and Gunnosaurus on the parade. November 2022, Gay Gunas marked the start of the FIFA World Cup with a protest outside the Qatar Embassy in London. February 2023, membership has reached 1,370 across 51 countries. Pride in participating. Over the years, Arsenal in the community has taken an active role in providing LGBTQ plus education and tackling homophobia. Our community team are trained by Stonewall to deliver LGBTQ plus awareness sessions to staff and community groups, and this year, we are delivering education sessions in local primary schools in association with Camden and Islington LGBT Forum. Our collective action this month builds on our continued support for Stonewall and the Premier League's Rainbow Lasers campaign to ultimately kick homophobia, biphobia and transphobia out of our game for good. In October 2022, we teamed up with Adidas to create the Adidas X Arsenal Love Unite kit. Inspired by the activists of the 1969 Stonewall Uprising and proudly worn by our players, Jamal Howlett-Mundell, Lucy Clark and Leanne Sanderson also joined as pitchside for our respective Premier League and Women's Super League games to share their experiences as LGBTQ plus people within football. In July 2022, Mikel Arteta and our men's players surprised gay gooners at London Coney before the Pride in London parade. Together we celebrated the return of the Pride in style with an open-top double-decker float adorned with rainbow colours and the Arsenal and gay gooners logos. Gay Gunas was established in February 2013. It is the world's largest LGBTQ plus fans group with more than 1,000 members in the UK and overseas. Gay Gunas exists to provide a social group for LGBTQ plus Arsenal fans, allies and their friends to meet up, provide a safe and welcoming space and campaign to kick homophobia, biphobia and transphobia out of football. Find them and find out more on Facebook at Arsenal's LGBT fans or Twitter at Gay Gunners. Everyone in the Arsenal family can make a difference by having conversations, listening to others, understanding the stigma that still surrounds the LGBTQ community and calling out discriminatory behaviour when we see it. As stewards of our club and our values, we ask supporters at Emirates Stadium to report any form of discrimination and abuse by texting 67777 with their block, row and seat number. Jacob Jefferson, Gay Gunas campaign manager, said, Growing up, I never felt comfortable being my true self around football, despite my love and passion for it. Gay Gunas gave me a space to be myself and to support the Arsenal even more than I did before. I'm extremely grateful for the group's existence. Carl Fern, Gay Gunas co-chair, said, Gigi's are like family. Attending meetups and games means the world to me. The diversity in the group truly reflects an Arsenal for everyone. Selina Snowding, Gay Gunnar, said, Recently I've had opportunities to represent the club at London Pride and as a flank bearer at the Emirates. 
and I now feel a deeper connection to the club and the impact it has on so many communities. Meet the mascot. Today's mascot is Alyssa from Basildon in Essex. The 11-year-old tells us that her favourite players are Pukayo Saka, Gabriel Martinelli and Martin Odegaard. Have a fantastic day, Alyssa. We hope you can bring us all three points this afternoon. Ref Watch. Today's referee is Peter Banks from Lancashire. This afternoon is his first Arsenal assignment of the season. The last time he was our man in the middle was the 1-0 defeat at Southampton last season. The 41-year-old last officiated at Emirates Stadium in our 3-1 win over West Brom at the end of the 2020-21 campaign. This season he has refed 11 Premier League games, issuing 48 yellow cards and is yet to send a player off. Notice board. Totalizer. £510. Happy 60th birthday to lifelong Arsenal fan Adrian Ford. Enjoy today's game with friends. Love, Torty, Laurie, Maddie and Marianne. Welcome Dublin Gunners, Teg, Lily and Willow Connolly, who are delighted to be over for the game. C-O-Y-G. Happy 12th birthday, Noah Airy. We love you, little Guna. Love Mummy, Daddy, Alyssa and Nugget. Happy birthday, Mum. Arsenal's biggest fan. Hope you've had the best day. Love John, Dan and Rosie. Happy birthdays to Alice Swainsbury and his dad James, celebrating by coming to watch Arsenal. Welcome Caleb Heath for the first time at an Arsenal game. Happy 30th birthday, Dan Waite, the biggest Guna around. Happy ninth birthday, Fred. Come on, Arsenal. Love Mum, Dad and Harry. Happy twelfth birthday, Jamie Myers. Enjoy the match and your special day. Love Mum, Dad and Ella. Happy fourteenth birthday, Harry Fisher. Love Mum, Dad and fellow gunner, Freddie. Gunnar Len, Dad. Happy eighty-fifth birthday. Have a great day watching the mighty Arsenal. Love Leon, Amy. Delia, Sonia and Anita. Welcome Sean, Dara and Emma Mulvaney, over from Meath Island. Welcome Sydney Bishop, watching Arsenal live for the very first time. From Uncle Ryan. Happy 66th birthday to my wonderful husband, with love always, Kay. Happy 70th birthday, Dad. Hope you enjoy celebrating in club level. Love Adam, Katie, Laura, Dean, Lexi and Rosie. Happy birthday, Robert Lewis. Love, Ryan and Ewan. Happy birthday, Anissa, a lifelong gooner. Have a fabulous day. Love from your whole family. Wishing Jazz Wooderson a wonderful birthday. Enjoy the game. Love, Mum, Dad, Charlie and Jade. Henry Mark Jones, enjoy your first Arsenal game at Emirates. Love, Mum, Dad, Alicia and Winnie. Happy 10th birthday, Raphael Fraser, from Mum and Dad. Brian Midson, happy 60th birthday and enjoy the game. Love from all your family. Arsenal remembers. Mark Fenn passed away October 15th, 2022. Forever remembered by all his family and friends. Victoria May Wren, born March 16th, 2002, and suddenly passed on October 28, 2022. 
Victoria was studying medicine at Plymouth University and loved watching Arsenal with her dad, Stephen, and sister, Rosie. Your family and friends love you. This world has lost your smile, and heaven has gained the brightest star. Bill Keane, October 15, 1938 to December 11, 2022 Passed away at home following a short illness. Lifelong Arsenal supporter and East Stand season ticket holder will be sadly missed by daughters Sam, Tracy and all his Arsenal friends, especially Val and Len. Alan Roberts, lifelong Arsenal fan, sadly passed away aged 80 on December the 21st, 2022. So many special memories of him at football. He is survived by his Guna son and grandsons and will be missed, especially on match day. Hedley Gurman, loyal Guna through highs and lows, passed peacefully at home aged 78 on December 19, 2022. Lynn, Stewart, Keris and Joe. Peter Kingston, 1939 to 2022, taken to Highbury first aged eight by his brother and still going to matches into his eighties. A lifelong gunner, loving husband, father, grandfather and good friend, sadly missed by all that knew him. Kishan Vithlani, sadly passed away on January the 13th, 2023, aged 26. A lifelong gunner and season ticket holder, dedicated to his beloved Arsenal. Forever in our hearts, love Dylan, Mansi, Manav, Krishan, Kajol, Karishma, Praya, Shyam, Sai, San and Siva. Stephen George Bunce, aged 64. A devoted fan all his life, Stephen had over 56 Arsenal shirts. He supported the team through good and bad seasons. His family will truly miss his wit and banter regarding Arsenal. NMR shirts for young role models. The No More Red initiative launched in January 2022 with Adidas to support the long-standing work being done by Arsenal in the community to keep young people safe from knife crime and youth violence. Within that, one of the aims was to spotlight the work of young people who have made a positive difference, and at this evening's game, Josh and Ahmed will become the latest recipients of our special No More Red Shirts. Josh is a youth club mentor at Copenhagen Youth Project. He takes on responsibilities such as organising activities for other young people, providing a positive influence within his peer group and looking after the sports equipment. Josh organises weekly indoor sports competitions including pool, FIFA and table tennis. We are proud of Josh's progress since first registering with Copenhagen Youth Project two years ago. He was initially in the process of leaving school when he began working with the employability and enterprise worker at CYP to complete courses in maths and English before enrolling on his CSCS card. He is now working as a trainee carpenter and is still committed to his youth volunteer position, volunteering two evenings a week. Ahmed is an Islington resident and youth leader with local organisation Juba Youth Community Association, JYCA. Ahmed has played a role in keeping his local community safe by initiating a number of schemes with JYCA which aim to reduce knife crime. 
his concern for his local community, his commitment of his free time, and his outreach to his friends to also participate was incredibly impressive and ultimately led to Ahmed being recruited as a voluntary youth leader. Ticket News Home Tickets Arsenal vs Man City Premier League Wednesday, February 15th Kick-off 7.30pm Tickets are now on sale to Silver, Cannon, Red and JG members via the Ticket Exchange service up until 4.30pm on Wednesday, February 15th. Booking fees will apply to all ticket sales. Arsenal vs Bournemouth Premier League, Saturday, March 4th, kick-off 3pm. Tickets are now on sale to Silver, Cannon, Red and JG members via the Ticket Exchange service up until 12pm on Saturday, March 4th. Booking fees will apply to all ticket sales. Arsenal vs Leeds United Premier League, Saturday, April 1st, kick-off 2pm. Tickets will be going on sale to Silver, Cannon, Red and Junior Gunner members on Wednesday 15th of February at 10am. Away tickets Aston Villa vs Arsenal Premier League Villa Park Saturday February the 18th kick-off 12.30pm. This fixture sold out to Platinum, Gold and current Travel Club members with 20-plus away points. Leicester City vs Arsenal Premier League King Power Stadium Saturday, February the 25th, kick-off 3pm. This fixture sold out to Platinum Gold and current Travel Club members with 10-plus away points. Sustainability Lionesses are invincible. After the club supported the local men's team in Boré, the Boré Lions, with Arsenal kit and equipment, we were thrilled last year to hear that the women in the area wanted to start up the very first women's team in the region, and the Boré Lionesses were born. We sent over a full away kit from last season, and the team, many of whom work in our Arsenal forest, have encouraged other groups of women to form their own football clubs. And two weeks ago, four of these fledgling football teams came together to play the very first women's football tournament in Boré. We're thrilled to report that our girls came out on top, naturally. In fact, we won all three matches without conceding a goal. The results reading as follows. Boré Lionesses 1-0 Mkeomoto Simba. Boré Lionesses 2-0 Black Queens. Bore Lionesses 1-0 Community Queens. As well as undoubtedly having the most professional kit, our team had the advantage of being guided by FIFA-trained coach Clarice Jonathan and would like to extend our huge congratulations to the team who are doing the Arsenal name proud out in Kenya. Air quality counts. All the stories and topics that we've covered within these pages have all been very different, yet are all connected. Food, travel and power are all interconnected and all combine to impact our environment, both locally and globally. Our planet is an amazing place and is fighting hard to try to save us. Yet we so often treat our environment and natural resources with very little respect. 
It can be difficult to visualize the impact of our actions. We have all seen the images of rainforest destruction, ice caps melting, and some of the world's magnificent animals becoming endangered or even extinct. We seem to be seeing more and more images of the wrath of nature, with waves, wind, and rain battering us. But it can all seem a million miles away from North London. But one thing that we can see, feel, and even smell is the air. Air pollution in our great city is being constantly monitored, and we are able to see the changes in the quality of the air that we breathe. There are many factors that influence the quality of what we take into our lungs, and an ever-increasing influence on the air is us. We have been lucky enough to have been able to participate in a local air quality survey with University College London. A chance encounter outside the stadium led to a monitor being placed high up at Emirates Stadium. This monitor was left in place for a month at the end of 2022 and was collecting air samples to find out how clean our air was. As part of the survey, several other locations were also positioned in the local area. It is this type of monitoring program that will enable scientists to evaluate the exact levels of air pollution at the home of Arsenal. We will report back as soon as we have the results. In the meantime, we can all take steps to help reduce pollution and improve the quality of the air that we breathe. Air pollution is usually at its worst on major road routes and around our airports. So using public transport, cycling, and walking whenever possible will make a real difference if we all vow to change our habits whenever possible. And we know plants and trees are on our side and work to clean the air. So as we start to say hello to spring, why not install a window box or hanging basket? Attractive too. Plants are also great for cleaning air indoors. So maybe now is the time to give that wilted plant in the corner of the office a little bit of love. Net Zero Heroes. Every issue this season, we have highlighted how different members of the Arsenal women's squad have been making efforts to live more sustainably. We'll let you into a secret. We have a special roving reporter up at London Colney who has been gathering together all this information from her teammates, and she goes by the name of Jen Beatty. Sustainability is a passion for Jen, and she appeared on Sky Sports inside the Women's Super League program on Thursday, February second, ahead of Green Football Weekend, when she sat down with Flo Lloyd Hughes to talk about her relationship with the environment. Including her decision to go vegan and how it's benefited her football. Try and find the program on Catch Up if you can. Jen's setting a great example to footballers and fans alike. Fans five thousand. Carbon Link send us a regular update of how many Arsenal supporters have decided to join us on our sustainability journey and be part of the Arsenal Forest. And the fans have reached five thousand trees. We can't thank you enough for being part of what we think is a wonderful project. Not only helping to reduce the carbon in the atmosphere, but also supporting over sixty workers in Kenya, the majority of whom are women. The project enables them to pay for the education of their children and set up their own small businesses. 
In all, we have now planted 20,500 trees, with exactly 5,000 of those being planted by supporters. The plot is now substantial, with just over 20 acres planted, which is an equivalent of 12 football pitches. So we reckon fans have therefore covered five of those pitches. Just imagine that. Once again, thanks to the 109 of you who own your own little bit of arsenal in Africa. Grow your own. Carbon Link has already received lots of orders for trees from supporters wishing to add to the arsenal forest. More than 20,000 are now being planted. Thanks for getting involved. We want to expand our 12.5 acre area to make our forest as big as possible. There are three options to purchase trees. 25 trees for £25, 50 for £50, 100 for £100. If you are concerned about your own carbon footprint, this is an excellent way of making a small, sustainable step in the right direction. And also doing it in the name of the club you love. And what a unique gift for an Arsenal fan in your life. Scan the QR code in the programme for more information on our project and details of how to be part of our forest. Player feature. Inspirational Turner. We speak to our players about where they find their inspiration. Matt Turner's story of how he consistently defied the odds to make a career in football and how he hopes his tale can inspire others to confound expectations too. Dealing with adversity and triumphing against the odds are two of the great hallmarks of Matt Turner's career to date. From his very first days in the sport, the New Jersey-born keeper has repeatedly had to prove people wrong and frequently overcome barriers and hurdles in his path. But, he says, although setbacks and tough times only serve to make him the player he is now, and led him to making his dream move to Arsenal, and becoming his country's number one at the World Cup. The 28-year-old stopper is the first to admit, however, that he didn't do it all alone. There have been several sliding doors moments in his career to date, that could all have transpired to create a different storyline and various decisions taken that have had a huge bearing on his future. We could even have been talking about Matt Turner the baseball star had things panned out differently. Matt says it's all down to the influence and support of his family and crucially a few key coaches along the way. They all helped him realise his dream of becoming a professional footballer and ultimately led him here to Arsenal the team he supported growing up on the east coast of the USA. I have a unique background in this sport, he begins. You know, coming from America, coming from a background where football wasn't really instilled in me at a young age, where my values of my family are different. When I chose to make the sacrifice or take the chance when I was 21 to try to become a professional footballer, my family fully supported me and still do to this day with my wife and my young son. It's a really, really great feeling and one I'm always grateful for. Certainly a latecomer to the sport in professional terms, young Matt's very first steps into football were as a result of his parents trying to harness his boundless energy levels. 
Both of my older sisters played football, he explains. They were talented and played a lot in high school. When I was a kid, about seven or eight, instead of us paying for a babysitter, I used to just go to their practice sessions and I would jump in goal. That was just because if I wasn't in goal, I would have been running around doing whatever and my parents wouldn't have had their eye on me as closely. So being in goal was a way of keeping me under control, like keeping the reins on me. They would throw me into goal in their practices. Matt soon coupled his natural enthusiasm for sport with his ingrained competitive edge, and then he was looking for bigger challenges. That was probably the first experience of football I can remember, but at that time I was mainly playing American football, basketball and a lot of baseball. I was just doing football for fun back then, and not really competing in it the way I was competing in other sports. I basically played baseball 12 months a year, all the way until I was 18. For my club and the school, baseball was my main sport. When football started working out for me, a lot of people were pretty surprised that it wasn't baseball, because I was a really good player growing up. I was a middle infielder, so I played shortstop or second base. Those are both positions where hand-eye coordination, catching, tracking and stopping the ball are vital skills. The early signs of a goalkeeper in the making then? Yeah, and I think my background in all different sports helped me learn things as a goalkeeper faster, he agrees. In baseball, you can't be afraid to get dirty. You have to dive around. You have to have good hand-eye coordination. Same in basketball. You have to be able to have that hand-eye coordination. Jump up and grab rebounds, spatial awareness for places on the floor, and in American football, it's a lot of physical contact with other players. So, you have to have a bit of bravery. All those sports help me to get to where I am today, because I just love competing, I love learning, and I love trying different things. But once I had gone in goal in football, nothing else enamoured me like that. It felt like the challenge of every sport I played had combined into one. That's how I really felt, and I fell in love with it. Whether it was baseball, football or whatever, going into sport into some form felt inevitable. Playing, watching, there was little time for anything else during his youth. Yeah, I always love sports, he smiles. It's all I ever wanted to be, just be involved in sport in some way. At first I thought I was going to be a sports commentator if I wasn't going to make it as an athlete. I would at least be around the sport in some capacity. In the US I watched a program called Sports Centre. I watched it religiously in the morning and at night. I watched all the highlights, all the games of my favourite teams in ice hockey, basketball, baseball, football, whatever it was. I literally watched everything. So I've always loved sport and how it brings people together. In his teens, Matt started playing football more seriously at high school and then at Fairfield University in Connecticut. He soon made the decision to commit fully to the sport but that's when the hard work really began. He wasn't a regular in the uni team during his first two years there, but he persevered and persevered, eventually forcing his way into the side and getting the chance to prove to people what he could do. It's a pattern that would repeat throughout the early part of his career. That's always sort of been my MO, he explains. I've never gone to a place, even with the national team or New England Revolution, I've never gotten into the team and become the starter right away. I've had to work through the ranks, and that's the way it's been in my career. 
Sometimes all it takes is that one person that you need to listen to to help you get over that hump. Matt says there have been three specific coaches who have done just that in his time. First of all is Javier Decima, his goalkeeping coach at Fairfield University. Then Remy Roy, his first goalkeeping coach in New England Revolution and their director of scouting. And finally, ex-Chelsea stopper Kevin Hitchcock, who was his coach at the Revolution from 2019. Those three saw something in me that nobody else saw, he states. There's obviously been a lot of coaches along the way, but those three specifically really believed in me. At uni, I wasn't in the team at first due to lack of experience, but then I was able to prove myself to Javier in the third year out of four and was able to win the starting spot. Then, when I came out of uni, I didn't get drafted into MLS, I didn't have any offers, so I had re-enrolled back in my university to finish my degree and see where life took me. Then, a week into my second semester of my senior year, I got a call from Remy, who gave me a 10-day trial at Revolution. 10 days turned to 20, to 30, then they signed me. So you have to make the most of those people that believe in you. But for sure, the coach that changed my career most is Kevin Hitchcock. He was at Chelsea, obviously, for a long time. He's been everywhere. But he's a great guy. When he came to New England Revolution in 2019, halfway through the season, I was in a weird point in my career. In 2018, I had been the starter, and then I went back to being the third-string goalkeeper. So I was at this point where I wasn't sure how much longer I was going to do it. But then Hitchy came into the club as a coach. He basically said, after just one training session, he said, he's our starter, about me. He gave me a trust and confidence that no one ever had before, especially in the professional game. He gave me so much confidence that I was a top keeper and he just changed my mentality. He changed the joy I had every day in the sport. So definitely, I owe him a lot and he knows that. I didn't know him until he showed up the first day of a random training session in May, but I made an impression on him, and he stuck with me. It could have gone the other way. Had he completely shut me out, it would have ended my career. But for me, it was the right person at the right time. I needed a special type of person for me at that time. It's a relationship that I still really value to this day. I think I needed someone like that, he continues just because I lack so much experience playing at that level. I was trying to get to that, but you can have those doubts in your mind, for sure. And I think I had those doubts, because I wasn't getting what I felt I deserved. I always felt like, if I don't have enough experience, it just might not work out for me. Those adversities and the knockbacks all add to your character, though, according to Matt, and the tough times have helped shape him as a more rounded, experienced keeper now. Yes, and that's why sometimes you see me out there with a gigantic smile on my face, says Matt, who played every minute of USA's four games at the 2022 World Cup, keeping two clean sheets. Because I'm just loving every second of doing what I do for a living, but also representing this football club. For me, it's the greatest joy to be able to say that I've pushed through the odds, but now I'm here. The thing you have to come to terms with when you do push against resistance is that you are going to get to a point where no one really cares anymore and you've just got to keep going and keep going and then the results will matter more. 
but I'm enjoying every second of it now, and I think the smiles out there really show it. And he's enjoying it all the more because he's representing the team closest to his heart. He may have grown up 3,500 miles away from Islington, but he's been a gunner ever since he's been a football fan. I didn't really get into football until I was like 15 or 16, he recalls. The story goes that I was playing FIFA and Arsenal are the first team that comes up when you play, so I decided to stick with them. But it was deeper than that. Once I started learning about the history, the great goalkeepers that have played here, David Seaman, Jens Lehmann, I don't know, I felt a connection to the club. It's a very popular club in America as well, and you join these communities where there's other Arsenal fans, and you guys can be happy together, you can suffer together, or whatever it is. And I think that it's a really special group, because no one understands Arsenal supporters like Arsenal supporters. So, when Arsenal came calling in early 2022, and he eventually joined the club in the summer, it was a magical moment for the player voted MLS Goalkeeper of the Year in 2021. When I think back to that first day at Colney, and signing my contract, I was so happy, you know, he beams. I think happy is an easy word, but that's what I was. All the sacrifices that I've made over the years, the family gatherings I've missed, the holidays, everything. Every person who works in professional sport will understand that sacrifice. But that moment made it all feel worth it. It really made it all feel worth it. To come in from the outside, you think Arsenal is such a big club and I'm just another number. But that's not the case at all when you come here. Once you step foot through the doors, you realise how close-knit a family everyone is. That's a really, really good feeling for me and for my family. They look out for my wife and my new son. The way they do that, I'm not sure you can find that anywhere else. So I'm super, super happy and grateful to have landed here. So it's been a journey with plenty of plot twists along the way so far for sure, but now the goalkeeper is only focused on the future. He started his gunner's career with four clean sheets from six appearances. Indeed, Nathan Ake's strike at the Etihad last month is the only goal he's conceded from open play from nine hours on the pitch in Arsenal colours. And he's ready to create more memories whenever he gets the chance, knowing that he's now in the position to inspire the next generation and be a role model for the millions of aspiring young goalkeepers out there. Yes, I do think about that, to be honest, he admits, because I think it's important to be aware of the platform you have when you're in this position. I always said that if I could just inspire one person to keep going through a tough time, that's what I want. Because my career has been through some amazing highs, but some devastating lows. So, if my story can just inspire one person to keep pushing and keep trying, keep chasing their dream, whether it be in football or not, I'll consider my career to have been successful. My fave shirt. Fans tell us about an Arsenal shirt they hold in particular affection. Today's shirt collector is 36-year-old Kelvin Page. Originally from Chippenham in Wiltshire, Kelvin now lives across the water in Ireland. Like most fans, my support for the club wasn't necessarily always a choice. It's more of an inheritance from our family. My Arsenal journey started before I can properly remember, 
sometime back in 1990 as a little four-year-old whippersnapper, being dragged around the country by my dad, over land and sea and all that. The Arsenal has been part of my life ever since. You cannot beat the immediate bond you can share with a complete stranger, simply because you're both wearing the same shirt. You would often share a nod of appreciation, a nod that needs no words, but you both understand what it means. Whenever I'm asked which Arsenal shirt is the greatest of all time, it's hard to look past anything red and white. However, my affection towards our third shirt from the 1994 to 1996 seasons is more personal to me, as I was club mascot on one of the two occasions we actually wore it. This was before the time of regular third kits, remember. Matt Fixture was the Coca-Cola Cup semi-final second leg, away to Aston Villa in February 1996. All three of our shirts, which were the first to be produced by Nike after we had switched from Adidas, were of an identical design, with different colourways. I always liked how simple this was, and that all three shirts were in, what I believed to be, traditional Arsenal colours. The lightning design felt bold, and the introduction of the Arsenal print on the reverse bottom was distinctly added for the fans. The history behind this shirt isn't exactly great for us, unfortunately. We only wore it twice. We didn't win a game wearing it, or even score a goal. But the experience of lining up that evening at Villa Park, with Ian Wright as captain, is something that I'll carry with me for the rest of my life. Being able to take shots at your childhood hero David Seaman in front of the Arsenal fans is a memory I'll never forget. As the shirt was never commercially sold, I was delighted to get my hands on one in 2020 from classic football shirts and I was reunited with the shirt for the first time in nearly 25 years. Follow Kelvin on Instagram at the Arsenal shirt. If you share an interest in collecting Arsenal kit, then you'll be pleased to know that there's an Arsenal shirt collectors group of over 2,500 members worldwide who buy, sell and swap Arsenal kits from all seasons. You can find them on Twitter at shirt underscore arsenal or facebook www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash 9862024261 did you know arsenal lost the 1995-96 league cup semi-final that season on away goals the game at villa park finished nil nil after a two-all draw at highbury dennis bergkamp and dwight york both scoring twice the other game featuring this shirt was the previous season, also in the League Cup. A 1-0 defeat to Liverpool at Anfield. Ian Rush scored. Minute Detail Since the start of the Premier League in 1992-93, Arsenal have scored more than 2,000 goals. In this series... We choose one memorable goal per minute. Today, we're looking at four more, including one from the first game of our 49-game unbeaten run. Sask Fabregas, Arsenal 3, Tottenham 0, October 31st, 2009. AFC PL goals in the 43rd minute, 18. The clock when Robin Van Persie put us ahead read 41 minutes, 52 seconds. When Cesc Fabregas doubled the lead, it had moved on to 42 minutes, 42 seconds. The celebrations inside the stadium had not yet subsided from the first goal, so this strike really raised the roof. 2-0 up in the derby in the blink of an eye. And what a goal this was. 
Tottenham kicked off and looked to play through midfield. Van Persie managed to deflect the pass to Fabregas, though, inside the centre circle. Then he ran, past three players and towards the area, riding challengers, then finding the presence of mind when one-on-one to slot into the corner from 18 yards. There were exactly 50 seconds between the two goals hitting the net and just 11 seconds of playing time. Ashley Cole, Arsenal 5, Manchester City 0, October 28, 2000. AFC PL goals in the 44th minute, 21. With time running out in the first half, Thierry Henry led a break, only to be hauled down ten yards outside the area by Danny Tiato. He was dismissed for the foul, and Ashley Cole would ensure a double punishment. The free kick was tapped to him by Dennis Bergkamp, and the left-back's low, powerful drive went through the wall and into the bottom corner. Cole was still 19 at the time, and this was only his third appearance in the Premier League, but already his second goal. This goal opened the floodgates on the day. We went on to win 5-0. Thierry Henry, Watford 2, Arsenal 3, April 23, 2000. AFC PL goals in the 45th minute, including first-half injury time, 58. We were already 2-0 up as the game ticked into injury time and Thierry Henry decided to take centre stage again. Gilles Grimondi passed to the forward, just over the halfway line. With all but one of the Watford side between him and the goal, he turned and began an unstoppable run, past two players and towards the penalty box, with defenders backpedalling and standing off him. Onto his right foot inside the area, Henri arched his shot beyond the full-length dive of Alec Chamberlain, and inside the far post, it was his 23rd goal of his debut season. Robert Pires, Arsenal 6, Southampton 1, May 7, 2003. AFC PL goals in the 46th minute, 8. The game that started the all-time record 49-match unbeaten run in the Premier League. It's tempting to say we could have had no idea what was to come in the 18 months or so following this game but really, the clues were there early on that this team was about to produce something very, very special indeed the following season. We had raced into a 5-0 lead inside 25 minutes. Yes, five goals to the good after just 25 minutes, with 20-year-old Jermaine Pennant claiming a hat-trick in that time. Not to be outdone, though, Robert Pires completed his own triple in the opening seconds of the second half, and what a goal it was. Giovanni van Bronckhorst released Pires with a threaded through ball, and the Frenchman was suddenly behind the beleaguered Saints' defence again. With just the keeper to beat and 25 yards of open grass to run into, Pires instead elected to hit his shot first time, lobbing Paul Jones perfectly, curling his shot under the bar. Another moment of genius from the Frenchman. The only surprise is that Arsenal didn't add to the tally in the remaining 44 minutes of the game. Incidentally, of all the minutes from 1 to 90, we have scored the fewest in the first minute of the second half, eight so far. Community Voice Project Arsenal Students Level 3 
Sports Science and Coaching. Established 1986. Participants since starting, over 1,000. Weekly participants, 32. Sessions, Monday to Friday, academic timetable. Available to students 16 to 18 years. More information, mdavis at arsenal.co.uk. Matilda is an 18-year-old from North London. She is an Arsenal Level 3 student enjoying a sports science and coaching course. Finding out about Arsenal sports coaching through Arsenal in the community social media, I can say has been an amazing opportunity and has changed my life. Before joining, I was aware of many projects Arsenal deliver, such as social inclusion and our women and girls provision, which, from my perspective, has had a huge impact and grown a passion for women's participation in football as a whole. I always knew that I had a passion for football and coaching. However, the support that I had from my dad and my best friends gave me that extra push to go for it. From seeing the rise of opportunities that they have given to women and girls, this inspired me to find the right option for me. On my first day at Arsenal, I felt very nervous. I can remember having many worries. The main one being that if I am the only girl in the class, and if I was going to be taken seriously. I wasn't the only girl in the class. During the day, everyone, including my peers, were very welcoming and kind, and before you knew it, the week turned into a month. Having participated in many opportunities and activities, I can say by far my favourite activity was being able to coach football to primary school children. Seeing how happy they were and knowing that our session can impact their whole day positively. Our Violence Against Women and Girls workshop helped me understand that being at Arsenal, I have a voice. I was able to speak on this sensitive topic for my first public speaking experience at the stadium. From the heart, I can say that the Arsenal staff, including my tutors, Martin and Tony, have made this experience amazing throughout. The encouragement and motivation that they have given me within the classroom and on the pitch, as a young woman starting her football coaching career, has truly inspired me to continue this journey to wherever it may lead me. Being a student at Arsenal Football Club allows for countless opportunities to add to your personal experience. This scheme has changed me as a person, as it has allowed me to be more independent and creative. It has supported my growth in confidence through motivation and reflection. Hopefully I can lead others and motivate them too. Being a part of Arsenal not only makes me feel confident, it also gives me a sense of pride of being able to wear the badge. What it reflects has shaped me into being open-minded towards our community and, as an individual, has given me the opportunity to be independent, a team player, and has led me, as a young person, into the world of football and football coaching. No one can do it like Arsenal. Academy Young Gun Amario Cozia Dubry. The Basics Born Islington, 29th of the 5th, 05 Joined Arsenal, 7th of the 10th, 2019 Position, left wing, right wing, centre attacking midfield, left back Height and weight, 5 foot 7 inches, 64 kilograms School, Gladsmore Community School, Tottenham Squad number 85 Rate yourself out of 100 
Pace, 89. Dribbling, 95. Passing, 90. Shooting, 92. Defending, 80. Physical, 87. Football has always been a big part of my life. My earliest memories of it go back to when I would play in the park with my older brothers, and from there I just loved it. I've been an Arsenal fan since I was young, and I looked up to players like Thierry Henry, who's one of the greatest to ever play the game. But I also looked up to Arjen Robben, who had a wand of a left foot and had the unstoppable cut-inside move. As most children do, I played throughout primary school and on weekends. I played for a Sunday league team called Chettle Court Rangers FC, and that's where I began to develop my game and showcase my abilities. I was there from under-11s to around under-15s, which is when I was offered a trial at Arsenal. The club approached me after my team won a tournament in Enfield, and my coach told me that a few clubs were interested and Arsenal was one of those teams. I was excited because I supported Arsenal, and I could have never thought I'd have the opportunity to play for my boyhood club. However, I was also nervous, as I had been on trials at other teams around London, and they never took me in. When I arrived for my ten-week trial, I was in awe of the facilities at Hale End. Even wearing the kit was such a nice feeling, and from then I knew this was the place for me. It actually took me a couple of weeks to adjust to the level I know I can play at because of how nervous I was. But once I relaxed and told myself that I am here for a reason, I started to excel and really play well. A standout moment during my trial was when I scored a right foot banger against Colchester in the floodlit cup. All the boys were so excited and happy for me. Funnily enough, after that game, the coaches came and told me that they wanted to officially sign me and that capped off an amazing night. I continued to play at Hayland for two years before I got my scholarship and went to play with the under-18s at London Colney. It was a great feeling getting my scholarship because I knew I had something to go into once I finished my last term at secondary school. When I first arrived at London Colney, I was overwhelmed because I realised that I am now a step closer to the first team. You see the players and coaches regularly, which is still crazy, because I'd been watching them on TV the day before, and then the next day you're in the same environment as them at training. One thing I've noticed is that as you progress through the age groups, there are so many more demands as they are preparing you for first-team football. I've played at under-18s, under-21s and first-team. At each age group, you need to up your intensity and effort which is what I try to do each and every day. Working with Jack Wilshire, Mehmet Ali and Mikel Arteta has been brilliant. Mikel and Jack both played and won trophies for Arsenal, so they know exactly what it means, whereas Mehmet will give you all the tools and knowledge you need to succeed. All three are excellent coaches, and I'm grateful to have them. Being at Arsenal is a dream come true, but I know that I'm in a very privileged position so my mindset is to stay focused and strive to become the next Bukayo Saka, Eddie Nketiah and Emile Smith-Rowe. These are guys I look up to, and they're an example that there is a pathway there to the first team from Hale End. A big highlight of mine was when I got my professional deal. I was so happy, but I was more delighted for my family because they've supported me so much and has been my rock every step of this journey. So to see them proud of me was a surreal moment, and then making my home debut against Juventus. It was a dream come true. 
It's something only a few ever get to do for Arsenal, and to do it against Juventus, a team with a massive history, is a moment I'll never forget. Hearing my name through the speaker, the fans cheering, and having my family and friends there, who have been so supportive of me, was so wonderful. What made it even sweeter was that I didn't think I was going to come on. I was so nervous beforehand, like when I was warming up, my feet were numb. But as I stepped on the pitch, I made a few decent passes, which helped my nerves. Being in and around the first team has been an unreal experience, and it's allowed me to grow as a player because I am constantly put out of my comfort zone. The trip to Dubai really developed me as a player, and to play against Lyon and AC Milan was an awesome opportunity. Everyone in the first team have been brilliant, but a special shout-out goes to Bukayo, Eddie and Martin Odegaard, who constantly encourage me. My target for the end of the season is to continue working hard and progress as a player. Additionally, I really want to win the FA Youth Cup, and we are buzzing after the win against Watford. I was nervous when I stepped up for the first penalty, but I just knew I had to pick a spot and commit to it. The next game is at the Emirates, and I'm really excited to be back there in front of our supporters. Around the Academy Gunners win five-goal thriller The photograph at the head of this article has the caption Osman Kamara celebrates his winner against Newcastle Jack Wilshere emphasised that everyone in the squad will need to play their part if we are going to triumph in the FA Youth Cup after we beat Newcastle United 3-2 in a five-goal thriller at St James Park on Tuesday, January the 17th Goals from Seb Ferdinand and Amario Cozia Dubery put us 2-1 ahead going into the break. However, we were pegged back early in the second half, but late substitute Osman Kamara sent us through into the next round, just three minutes from the end. Wilshire reinforced the importance of togetherness after Kamara's winner. He said, I'm so happy for Osman. He works so hard. He's always got a smile on his face, and he deserved his goal. It was a great finish. When you go on a cup run, you are going to need everyone. It's a collective and combined effort. It's the staff. It's the substitutes. It's the whole squad. It's also the people at London Coney that make sure that we are fully prepared for every match day. Then it comes down to us to deliver, and the players did that today. Going forward, Wilshire hopes this win will spur the team on for the remainder of the season. I said to the players that they should enjoy these moments, because coming to a stadium like St James Park is a great stage for them. These boys are going to have to want to win more than the opposition. We need to show the same level of fight in every game. The under-18s followed their victory over Newcastle with a hard-fought draw with Norwich as Jack Wilshire's side continued their impressive form. We made the perfect start when Osmond Kamarai tapped home from Matty Roberts' pinpoint delivery in the first minute. However, we went into the break trailing when Fulham hit back with two quick-fire goals. Jimmy Gower brought his back level shortly after the interval as his effort trickled over the line but we were unable to find a winner despite our second-half dominance. Wilshire said, 
We set the tone from the start with an early goal. The boys brought the fire and energy needed from the off. It was a good performance against a strong side. I believe we should have won the game as we had so many chances, but we need to be more clinical in front of goal. Despite only picking up a point, Wilshire is happy with the progression his side is showing every game. We responded well when we went 2-1 down, and the character this side has to never give up is evident. I say to the boys all the time that as long as I keep seeing the right intentions and a willingness to do the right things, the outcome will look after itself. Meanwhile, our under-21s went down to a 2-1 home defeat at the hands of local rivals Tottenham on Friday, January the 27th, after which Mehmet Ali rued his side's lack of aggression in the second half, as we fell to our first home league defeat of the season. We took the lead thanks to Mario Cozia Dubarry's slick finish, but the visitors took home all three points with goals either side of half-time. Ali said, I don't think it was anything tactical. They were just more aggressive. They played on the front foot and wanted it more. We just did not show enough. You cannot play like that against anyone, let alone in a North London derby. You need to win your battles and individual duels, and we never did that in the second half. However, Ali acknowledged that every game presents a new learning opportunity for his squad. It's a great learning opportunity, but the boys will need to learn things quickly given the level that is required for the first team. Four days later, the under-21s went down to another narrow defeat, this time 3-2, to Burnley in the Premier League Cup on Tuesday, January 31st. But on this occasion, Mehmet Ali was quick to praise the effort and resilience of a much younger starting line-up. We fell behind early on, but responded well with goals from Josh Robinson and Catalin Surgeon to give us a 2-1 lead. However, Burnley hit back with goals either side of half-time to take home three points in our final group fixture. Given that top spot in the group and qualification to the knockout stages was already secure, Ali heavily rotated the squad with four players making their debuts at the under-21 level. Despite the defeat, the coach was happy with the way the team competed against a physical Burnley side. Our boys gave everything they had, and it was a great experience for this younger side to play against a tough Burnley team with some older players, he said. We always said when we got to this stage of the season, we want to give players opportunities. Our job is to encourage players as early as possible, to give them this experience and exposure. The first photograph with this article has the caption, Ethan and Guaneri battles against Spurs. The second photograph with this article has the caption, George Lewis in the final group stage game against Burnley. Good luck, Harry. Harry Clark has been recalled from his loan spell at Stoke City and has joined Ipswich Town on a permanent transfer. The 21-year-old had impressed during the first half of the season, already playing 20 times in all competitions for the Potters. Harry, a Hale End graduate, joined the club in 2015 from Ipswich Town, his hometown club, where he had progressed through the youth ranks. Since signing his first professional contract in 2018, the defender had spent valuable time on loan at Oldham Athletic, 
as well as a successful period in Scotland, where he played for Ross County and Hibernian during the 2021-22 season. We wish Harry all the best for his future with Ipswich Town. He will always be a valued part of the Arsenal family. Arsenal reach Youth Cup semi-final On Monday night, Jack Wilshire's under-18s produced a stirring comeback to defeat Watford 4-2 at Vicarage Road and claim their place in the final four of the FA Youth Cup. From 2-0 down, they hit back with goals from Michal Rosiak, Osman Kamara and two penalties from Mario Cozio Dubery. A report will feature in the Manchester City programme. Flow on fire. Following Balogun capped a memorable week during his loan spell at Rem in League One, with four goals that propelled him to the top of the French top division scoring charts. On Sunday, January the 29th, he scored a last-minute equaliser at the Parc des Princes against PSG after Neymar, playing alongside Kylian Mbappe and Lionel Messi, had opened the scoring for the runaway league leaders. Four days later, the 21-year-old Academy product scored a hat-trick in just 20 minutes as Rem beat Lorient 4-2 at home, Fleur's first senior hat-trick. His 14 goals now put him at the top of the scoring charts, which contains a few familiar names. League One leading scorers. Fleurin Balogun, Rem, 14. Alexandre Lacazette, Lyon, 13. Kylian Mbappe, PSG, 13. Wissam Ben Yedder, Monaco, 12. Jonathan David, Lille, 12. Briel Mbolo, Monaco, 12. Terry Morphy, Nice, 12. With this article, there is a photograph of Fleurin Balogun with the caption, France's top scorer, Fleurin Balogun. Arsenal women. West Ham frustration. Despite utter dominance, Arsenal couldn't break through a stubborn West Ham defence last Sunday at Chigwell to drop points in the Women's Super League. The visitors went close to opening the scoring within three minutes when Frieda Manham found herself through on goal. But Hammers keeper Mackenzie Arnold raced off her line to block the ball before Lena Hertig scuffed a shot when set up by Manham. Hertig then set up compatriot Stina Blackstenius, who blazed over before Manham saw a drive ticked around the post. Before half-time, there was still time for Caitlin Ford to shoot wide. After the break, we still couldn't find a way to get the all-important opening goal against a very resilient, deep-lying West Ham. Blackstenius had another chance, and Arnold did brilliantly again to deny Raphael from a corner. Manham fired over on the volley. Sub Katie McCabe curled a long-range effort into the side netting. Ford chipped over, and Leah Williamson, playing in midfield, forced another flying save from Arnold. But it just wasn't to be our night. The previous Sunday it had been very different, as the Gunners cruised past Leeds United in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Ford got the ball rolling, nodding home McCabe's corner in the ninth minute. Moments later it was 2-0 as Catherine Kuhl netted her first Arsenal goal after a brilliant run from Victoria Pelova. Kim Little grabbed the third from the penalty spot after Ford had been fouled. 
but it wasn't until just before the hour that Ada Val's team got their fourth. Hurtig with a bullet header. Jennifer Beattie then netted her first of the season with a looping header from distance. Blackstenius grabbed a quick-fire brace before 16-year-old Michelle Agyamang scored her first goal for the club, beating her marker and finishing with aplomb. Palova then earned her reward for an excellent 90-minute display with her first goal for the club, rounding off the 9-0 win late on. On Thursday, January 26th, we beat Aston Villa 3-0 in the quarter-finals of the Continental Cup. The opening goal came on 29 minutes when the elusive Manham collected a throw-in from the right, turned inside and dribbled towards goal before cutting back onto her right foot and placing the ball past Hannah Hampton. The visitors, Alicia Lehmann, then fired over from Jordan Nobb's clever cutback before Lot Vubenmoy headed over three minutes before the interval. After the break, Caitlin Ford robbed Rachel Daly from a villa throw-in and fed Manham, who rifled home to double our lead. Manham then turned provider on the hour mark, slipping the ball through for Ford to break clear and beat Hampton in a nonchalant fashion. The win set up a last four date with Man City, played on Wednesday. We're in the Youth Cup final. Congratulations to Arsenal women under-16s for reaching the final of this year's FA Youth Cup. The young gunners progressed by scoring six goals without reply in an emphatic semi-final triumph over Aston Villa on Saturday, January 28th. The girls will now face Manchester United in the final on Saturday, April 22nd at Loughborough College Stadium. As we look to lift a trophy, we last won when we beat Chelsea 5-2 in 2019. Last season, Chelsea triumphed with a 3-0 win over Manchester City in the final. Our under-16s currently sit fourth in the FA Under-16 South League, but are unbeaten, having won four and drawn three of their seven games. The Gunners are five points behind leaders Reading, with two games in hand after weather affected the schedule. Congratulations to the players and coaching staff led by Arsenal Women Academy manager James Honeyman, and we hope to be able to report on a victory in the final in a few weeks' time. Well done, Jen. Following her recent retirement from international football, we'd like to congratulate Jennifer Beattie on a brilliant 15-year Scotland career. From 2008 to 2023, the defender earned 144 caps for her country, scoring 24 goals. She made her senior debut for Scotland aged just 16, coming on as a second-half substitute against the United States. Jen was awarded an MBE in the 2023 New Year Honours List for her services to football and charity and received the Helen Rollison Award at the BBC Sports Personality of the Year Awards for her dedicated work to raise breast cancer awareness following her own cancer diagnosis in October 2020. Across her 15-year career in the blue and white of Scotland, Jen helped her country reach the 2017 Euros and the 2019 World Cup and scored a World Cup goal in a thrilling 3-3 draw with Argentina. Fixtures and results 16th September, Brighton and Hove Albion, home, WSL 4-0. 20th September, Ajax, home, UCL 2-2. 24th September, Tottenham Hotspur, WSL 4-0. 25th 
28th September, Ajax, UCL, 1-0. 16th October, Reading, WSL, 1-0. 19th October, Lyon, UCL, 5-1. 23rd October, Liverpool, WSL, 2-0. 27th October, FC Zurich, home, UCL, 3-1. 30th October, West Ham United, home, WSL, 3-1. 6th November, Leicester City, WSL, 4-0. 19th November, Manchester United, home, WSL, 2-3. 24th November, Juventus, UCL, 1-1. 3rd December, Everton, home, WSL, 1-0. 7th December, Juventus, home, UCL, 1-0. 11th December, Aston Villa, WSL, 4-1. 15th December, Lyon. Home, UCL, nil one. Twenty first December, FC Zurich, UCL, nine one. Fifteenth January, Chelsea, home, WSL, one one. Twenty sixth January, Aston Villa, home, CC, three nil. Twenty ninth January, Leeds United, home, FAC, nine nil. Fifth February, West Ham United, WSL, nil nil. 8th February, Manchester City, CC. 11th February, Manchester City, WSL. 26th February, Chelsea, FAWC. 5th March, Liverpool, home, WSL. 12th March, Reading, home, WSL. 26th March, Tottenham Hotspur, WSL. 2nd April, Manchester City, home, WSL. 23rd April, Manchester United, WSL. 30th April, Everton, WSL. 7th May, Leicester City, home, WSL. 21st May, Chelsea, WSL. 28th May, Aston Villa, home, WSL. To be arranged, Brighton and Hove Albion, WSL. Brentford. 30 years of the Premier League. Games 59, wins 21, losses 22, goals 83, goals conceded 84. Seasons in the Premier League 2, highest position 13th, lowest position 13th, finished in the top half 0. Most appearances Brian Mabemu 56, most goals Ivan Tony 25. Undefeated in nine Premier League fixtures and with five wins in their last seven, a run that started just before the World Cup break with a 2-1 victory at Champions Manchester City, Brentford are one of the form teams in the division. Although they were defeated 3-0 at home by Arsenal back in September, Thomas Frank's side should be full of confidence as they take on the Gunners again this afternoon. These are heady days for the West London club. Promoted to the Premier League for the first time in 2021 via the Championship playoffs, their 2-0 win at Wembley against Swansea City, a year after they had lost the same fixture to local rivals Fulham, ensured a return to top division football for the first time in 75 years. They announced themselves in style beating Arsenal 2-0 at their new stadium in the opening game and went on to finish in a highly respectable 13th place. Frank's men finished last season strongly, winning seven of their 11 fixtures in March, April and May, 
including 4-1 at Chelsea, to offset a mid-campaign slump and surge to safety, eventually finishing 11 points clear of the relegation zone. They have largely carried that impressive form into the current campaign, thrashing Manchester United 4-0 in their opening home fixture and really picking up the pace since the Premier League resumption to hoist themselves up to 7th. Brentford have never competed outside the domestic arena, but with just four defeats in 21 league games, they are firmly in the mix for groundbreaking European qualification. Last weekend's 3-0 win against Southampton brought them a third successive Premier League home win for the first time, after January successes against Liverpool 3-1 and Bournemouth 2-0. And they have kept clean sheets in four of their last five league games, including each of the last three. The Premier League is Brentford's only concern for the remainder of the season. Defeated on penalties by Gillingham after a 1-1 home draw in the third round of the Carabao Cup in November, they also went out of the FA Cup in front of their own fans with a 1-0 defeat against West Ham in round three last month. They have not lost on the road in any competition since a 4-0 reverse at Aston Villa on October 23rd, winning two and drawing two of the four games since. These bees are well and truly buzzing. The boss, Thomas Frank, head coach, born 9th of October 1973. Frederiks Werk, Denmark. Previously, Denmark, under 16, under 17, under 19. 2008 to 13. Bromby, 2013 to 16. Brentford, assistant coach, 2016 to 18. Danish coach Thomas has been at Brentford since December 2016 when he was appointed as a member of Dean Smith's coaching staff. The shaggy-haired 49-year-old impressed the club's hierarchy to such an extent that when Smith left for Aston Villa in October 2018, he took over as head coach. It proved a prescient move, as he led the Bees to two successive championship playoff finals, losing the first but winning the second to steer the West London club to the Premier League for the first time. His stock as one of the most progressive managers in the country continues to rise. Number 1. The Keeper. David Rea. Forward. Born. Barcelona, Spain. 15th September 1995. Previously. Blackburn. Stockport. Loan. A Spain international goalkeeper who has spent his entire professional career in England. David has been Brentford's first choice between the posts since he arrived from Blackburn in July 2019 for a reported £3 million fee. A key member of the 2020-21 promotion-winning side, he missed a large chunk of last season with a knee injury, but has played every minute of this Premier League campaign, as well as going to the World Cup with Spain, where he was backup keeper to Unai Simon. Number 17. The goal scorer, Ivan Tony, Forward. Born Northampton, 16th of March 1996. Previously, Northampton, Newcastle, Barnsley, Loan, Shrewsbury, Loan, Scunthorpe, Loan, Wigan, Loan, Scunthorpe, Loan, Peterborough. Ivan has hit the headlines repeatedly in the last few seasons, firstly at Peterborough, where he scored 40 League One goals in two campaigns, then in his debut season with Brentford 
where he set a new championship record with 31 goals in the 2020-21 promotion-winning campaign. The 26-year-old has found the Premier League to his liking too, scoring 12 goals last season and already surpassing that mark this term, with only Erling Haaland and Harry Kane ahead of him in the Golden Boot standings. Number 16. The Lynchpin. Ben Mee. Defender. Born. Sale. 21st of September 1989. Previously, Man City, Leicester, Lone, Burnley. Schooled in the Manchester City Academy, former England youth and under-21 international Ben became an influential team leader and defensive pillar at Burnley, where he spent 11 seasons, seven of them in the Premier League, before moving south to join Brentford following the Clarets' relegation last May. The 33-year-old has adjusted rapidly to his new surroundings, missing just one league game and scoring three goals the latest a brave header to open the scoring against Southampton last weekend. Number 6. The Anchorman Christian Norgard, midfielder Born, Copenhagen, Denmark 10th of March 1994 Previously, Lingby, Hamburg, Bronby, Fiorentina Christian reunited with former Bronby boss Thomas Frank when he left Fiorentina for Brentford in 2019. The Danish holding midfielder was a goal scorer against Arsenal on his Premier League debut and also netted in the return fixture at Emirates Stadium a 2-1 defeat, but missed the September encounter with an Achilles injury that sidelined him for three months, though he did make it back in time to represent Denmark in Qatar. He has recently been the stand-in skipper for the injured Pontus Janssen. Number 8. The ever-present one. Matthias Jensen, midfielder, born Jerslev, Denmark, 1st of January 1996. Previously, Nordsjeland, Celta Vigo. A do-it-all midfielder, Matthias is in his fourth season as a Brentford player, having joined from Spanish club Celta Vigo in 2019. A key figure in the 2020-21 promotion-winning campaign, The Denmark International is enjoying an outstanding 2022-23 campaign and has started all 21 Premier League games, scoring three goals, the latest a header to complete the scoring against Southampton last weekend. A set-piece expert, including long throws, the 27-year-old played for Denmark at both Euro 2020 and the recent World Cup. Number 19. The ever-present 2. Brian Mubuemo, forward, born Avalon, France, 7th of August 1999, previously Troy. A former France youth and under-21 international, Brian switched allegiance to Cameroon and represented his adoptive country at the 2022 World Cup, starting all three matches in Qatar. A Brentford player since 2019, he has become a hugely popular figure at the West London Club. Vast and versatile, the 23-year-old's natural habitat is on the right wing, but he can also operate as an orthodox striker. He has started every Premier League game this season, scoring his fifth goal of the campaign against Southampton last Saturday. Number 5. The Reggae Boy Ethan Pinnock Midfielder Born Lambeth, 29th of May 1993 Previously 
Dulwich Hamlet, Forest Green Rovers, Barnsley. Another player who joined the club in 2019. Ethan has become a regular in the heart of the Bees' defence and has played every minute of the club's last 13 Premier League games following a lengthy absence with hamstring and knee injuries. Though born in South London, he plays international football for Jamaica on account of his paternal ancestry. He started his career in the Yithmin League with Dulwich Hamlet and joined the Bees after being voted Barnsley's Player of the Year in 2018-19. stroke Number 10. The ex-gunner, Josh De Silva, midfielder, born Ilford, 23rd of October 1998, previously Arsenal. A graduate of the Arsenal Academy, Josh made just three EFL Cup appearances for the first 11 and left the club in 2018 to pen a four-year contract with Brentford. The strapping attacking midfielder scored 10 goals in his second season and was strongly involved in the B's 2020-21 promotion-winning campaign until his season was prematurely ended by injury, which also sidelined him for last term. But after scoring in the first two Premier League games this season, he has re-established himself as a regular in Thomas Frank's side. Scouting report, words, Michael Cox, photography, Getty Images. More than halfway through the Premier League campaign and Brentford find themselves in seventh place. An extraordinary achievement for a club of modest resources. What's more, they also find themselves top of the form guide from the last six matches. Having beaten Manchester City and Manchester United already this season, they will have no fear this afternoon. Thomas Frank switches between 4-3-3 and 3-5-2, but tends to use the latter formation in matches against strong opposition. Goalkeeper David Rare is enjoying an excellent campaign in terms of shot-stopping, although sometimes looks nervous when dealing with crosses. However, he's likely to be protected with three centre-backs who are commanding in the air. Ben Mee has proved a fine signing from Burnley and has chipped in with three goals. Ethan Pinnock generally plays the central role in a back three and aside from a poor game in a loss to Newcastle has had a fine season. Matthias Janker Jürgensen or the versatile Christopher Ayer could play to the right. The use of back three allows the wing-backs to push forward, sometimes combining well with long switches to the far post. Rico Henry has been superb down the left, while the hard-working Mads Rosalev is usually used as the wing-back on the opposite side, although Aaron Hickey's return from injury provides another option. Unusually for a player often used at right-back, Hickey shoots more regularly with his left foot. In midfield, Christian Norgard is an excellent holding midfielder, capable of playing direct passes into attack. Ahead of him, Matthias Jensen drifts around and often finds himself in crossing positions, while Josh De Silva, who spent 12 years with the Gunners and has an eye for a spectacular curling effort from range and played a wonderful outside-of-the-boot ball in behind in the lead-up to Brentford's second goal in a 3-0 win over Southampton last weekend. The only problem with the 3-5-2 is that all three of Brentford's attackers deserve to start on current form, and Frank will have to admit one of them. Ivan Tony is undroppable when fit, and has scored 13 goals in 19 starts this season. 
He's excellent at spinning in behind, although can also drop deep to prod balls over the defence. Both Brian Mabuemo and Johan Wissa have proved highly dangerous with their movement this season, although both have a curious knack for hitting the woodwork. Mabuemo was outstanding last weekend with his passing as well as his running, while Wissa is more likely to be used from the bench. But Brentford's attacking threat is about more than individuals. They press excellently as a unit, particularly notable in their 4-0 thrashing of Manchester United in August. They play clever balls around the corner for runners. They're a major threat from corners, and in a 2-0 win at West Ham in December, both goals came from throw-ins. The first launched into the box, the second a more intricate, clever move. Brentford won't dominate possession, but they'll offer a serious attacking threat. On the spot, no side has scored more goals from set-piece situations in the Premier League this season than Brentford, 14, with a league-high five of these coming from the penalty spot. In fact, Ivan Tony has converted all nine of the penalties he's taken in the Premier League since the start of last season. Match action. Arsenal versus Manchester United. Arsenal 3, Manchester United 2. Arsenal scorers, Nakataya, 24th minute, 90th minute. Saka, 53rd minute. Manchester United scorers, Rashford, 17th minute. Martinez, 59th minute. Sunday, January 22nd, 2023. Emirates Stadium. Timeline. 17th minute. Rashford strikes from long distance to give United the lead. 24th minute. Nekatiah heads in from Xhaka's cross. 53rd minute. Saka smashes home into the corner from 20 yards out. 59th minute. Martinez loops his header home for the equaliser. 90th minute. Nekatiah scores the winner from close range. Bukayo Saka. I think today we showed we can play at another level. We can play when there's pressure on us. I think it's the earliest time this season we've gone behind and we fought back and even until the end, we kept going until the last minute and got the breakthrough with Eddie. I'm so happy for him. Facts. Eddie Nekatiah became the second Arsenal player to score a 90th minute winner against Manchester United in the Premier League after Thierry Henry in January 2007. Bukayo Saka became only the third Arsenal player to score in three consecutive Premier League appearances against Manchester United, after Freddie Lundberg, 1998-2000, and Thierry Henry, 2000-2001. Leandro Trossard became the 895th player to represent the Arsenal first team. Match Action Manchester City versus Arsenal. Emirates FA Cup fourth round. Friday, January the 27th, 2023 at 8pm. Etihad Stadium. Manchester City 1, scored by Ake in the 64th minute. Arsenal 0. Timeline. 5. Tomiyasu has a fierce shot well saved. 21. Trossard makes the keeper work with a smart shot. 38. Haaland shoots off target after getting free. 64. Ake squeezes his shot low into the corner to break the deadlock. 
81, Alvarez is denied by Turner. Matt Turner. Obviously, we know how much the cup means to the club and the supporters and to us, so we are really disappointed that we didn't advance to the next round. But there are a lot of positives to take from the performance and stuff to build on for the future. Facts. This ends a run of four successive FA Cup victories for us over Manchester City. The only two times we have made it past the FA Cup fourth round in the past seven seasons, we have lifted the cup. Both of our defeats in England this season have come in Manchester. Stats. Expected goals. MCFC 0.51. AFC 0.35. Possession. MCFC 54%, AFC 46%. Total shots, MCFC 8, AFC 5. Shots on target, MCFC 3, AFC 2. Completed passes, MCFC 415, AFC 338. Corners, MCFC 0, AFC 3. Tackles 1, MCFC 13, AFC 7. Yellow cards, MCFC 1, AFC 2. Red cards, MCFC 0, AFC 0. The photograph with this report has the caption, Rob Holding beats Erling Haaland in an aerial duel. Match action. Premier League, Saturday, February 4th, 2023, 12.30pm, Goodison Park. Everton 1, Arsenal 0. Timeline. 30 minutes. Enketia shoots wide after good work by Saka. 39. Saka has a shot cleared off the line. 59. Jorginho comes on to make his debut. 60. Tarkovsky heads the only goal of the game from a corner. Eddie Inketia. It was a difficult game, obviously. They made it very tough. Personally, we weren't at the standard we needed to be at today, and obviously we've got to improve and make sure we bounce back in our next game. Facts. We named the same starting eleven for five consecutive Premier League matches for the first time since April-May 2015, six games. Jorginho became our 896th first-team player and just the third Italian. This game ended a run of 14 league games without defeat. Teams For Arsenal, manager Mikel Arteta. Shirt, red with white sleeves. Shorts, white. Socks, red. 1. Aaron Ramsdale, goalkeeper. 3. Kieran Tierney 4. Ben White 5. Thomas Partey 6. Gabriel Magalhães 7. Bukayo Saka 8. Martin Odegaard 9. Gabriel Jesus 10. Emil Smith-Rowe 11. Gabriel Martinelli 12. William Saliba 14. Edian Katia 15. Jakob Kivya 16. Rob Holding 18. Takehiro Tomiyasu 19. Leandro Trossard 20. Giorgino 
21. Fabio Vieira 24. Reese Nelson 25. Mohamed Elneny 27. Marquinhos 30. Matt Turner, goalkeeper 31. Carl Hine, goalkeeper 34. Granit Xhaka 35. Alexandra Zinchenko 83. Ethan Nwaneri For Brentford, head coach Thomas Frank Shirt, light blue. Shorts, navy blue. Socks, light blue. 1. David Rare, goalkeeper. 2. Aaron Hickey. 3. Rico Henry. 5. Ethan Pinnock. 6. Christian Norgard. 7. Sergei Canos. 8. Matthias Jensen. 9. Kevin Chaudet. 10. Josh Da Silva. 11. Johan Wisser. 13. Matthias Jorgensen 14. Saman Godaus 15. Frank Onyeka 16. Ben Mee 17. Ivan Tony 18. Pontus Janssen 19. Brian Mbormo 20. Christopher Ayer 22. Thomas Strakosha, goalkeeper 23. Keen Lewis Potter 24. Mikhail Damsgaard 26. Shandam Baptiste. 27. Vitale Janelt. 29. Masbeck Sorensen. 30. Mas Roslev. 33. Matthew Cox, goalkeeper. 36. Finn Stevens. Referee Peter Banks. Assistant referees Edward Smart, Nick Greenhouge. Fourth official Simon Hooper. VAR official Lee Mason. Additional VAR official Adrian Holmes. Also playing today, 3pm unless dated. West Ham United vs Chelsea, 12.30pm. Crystal Palace vs Brighton and Hove Albion. Fulham vs Nottingham Forest. Leicester City vs Tottenham Hotspur. Southampton vs Wolverhampton Wanderers. Bournemouth vs Newcastle United at 5.30pm. Camden Town Brewery, official beer partner of Arsenal FC. Soak in Arsenal FC, official money transfer partner. Supercharge your global payments and money transfers. Visit Sokin.com. Sokin is a trading name and a registered trademark of Plato Capital Limited. For further information on accessing the Sokin app and related payment services in your country of residence, please refer to www.sokin.com. Eighteen eighty-six. Adidas, Arsenal. New 22-23 third kit. Available now at the Armoury and ArsenalDirect.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 